Chapter Three of Dorothy Dale in the City by Margaret Penrose. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Three. Get a horse. Hello there, Cuz! Shouted Nat White as Dorothy stepped from the train. And there's Tavia, and well, if it isn't Bob Niles. "'Yes,' said Dorothy, postponing further greetings until the train should pull out and Tavia's last hand-wave be returned. "'We met him coming up, and he goes to Dalton.' "'Well, I'll be jiggered. And he has Tavia for company,' exclaimed the young man, who for years had regarded Tavia as his particular property, as far as solid friendship was concerned. "'And Tavia has already vowed to be mean to him,' said Dorothy, as she now pressed her warm cheek against that of her cousin, the latter's being briskly red from the snowy air. She would scarcely speak to him on the train. A bad sign, said Nat, as he helped Dorothy with her bag. There are the Blakes. May as well ask them up. Their machine does not seem to be around. The pretty little country station was gay with holiday arrivals, and among them were many known to Dorothy and her popular cousin. The Blakes gladly accepted the invitation to ride over in the Firebird, their auto having somehow missed them. "'You look lovely,' Mabel Blake complimented Dorothy. "'Doesn't she?' chimed in Mabel's brother, at which Dorothy buried her face deeper in her furs. Nat cranked up, and soon the firebird was on its way toward the cedars, the country home of Mrs. Nathaniel White, and her two sons, Nat and Ned. Mrs. White was the only sister of Major Dale, Dorothy's father, and the Dale family, Dorothy and her brothers, Joe and little Roger, had lately made their home with her. It lacked but a few days of Christmas, and the snowstorm added much to the beauty of the scene, while the cold was not so severe as to make the weather unpleasant. All sorts of happy remembrances were recalled between the occupants of the automobile, as it bravely made its way through drifts and small banks. "'Oh, there's old Peter!' exclaimed Dorothy, as a man, his stooped shoulders hidden under a load of evergreens, trudged along. "'And such a heavy burden!' added Mabel. "'Couldn't we give him a lift?' Nat slowed up a little to give the old man more room in the roadway. "'Those Christmas trees are poor company in a machine,' he said. "'I have tried them before.' "'But it is so hard for him to travel all the way to the village,' pleaded Dorothy. "'We could put his trees on the back, and he could—' "'Sit with you and Mabel?' and Ted Blake laughed at the idea. "'No, you could do that,' retorted Dorothy, "'and Peter could ride with Nat. "'Please, Nat.' "'Oh, all right, cuz, if it will make you happy.' I wish sometimes I were lame, halt, and old enough to know, whereat he stopped the machine and insisted on old Peter doing as the girls had suggested. It was no easy matter to get the trees and the bunches of greens securely fastened to the back of the auto, but it was finally accomplished. Peter was profuse in his thanks, for the greens had been specially ordered, he said, and he was already late in delivering them. "'Which way do you go?' asked Nat. "'Out to the squires,' replied Peter. "'But that road is soft. I wouldn't ask you to take it.' "'Oh, I guess we can make it,' proposed Nat. "'The Firebird is not quite a locomotive.' "'She does sound like a bird, sure enough,' affirmed Peter. "'But that road is full of ditches.' "'We will try them, at any rate,' insisted Nat, "'as he turned from the main road to a narrow stretch of the white track "'that cut through woods and farmlands. "'If we are fortunate enough not to meet anything,' said Dorothy, "'but I have always been afraid of a single road bound with ditches.' "'Of course,' growled Nat. "'There comes Terry with his confounded cows.' "'Ploughing along, 
His head down and his whip in his hand came Terry, the half-witted boy who, winter and summer, drove the cows from their field or barn to the slaughterhouse. He never raised his head as Nat tooted the horn, and by the time the machine was abreast of the drove of cattle, Nat was obliged to make a quick swerve to avoid striking the animals. "'Oh!' gasped both Dorothy and Mabel. The car lunged, then came to a sudden stop, while the engine still pounded to get ahead. "'Hang the luck!' groaned Nat, vainly trying to start the car, which was plainly stalled. "'I told you,' commented Peter inappropriately. "'This here road—' "'Oh, hang the road!' interrupted Nat. "'It was that loon Terry.' As the young man spoke, Terry passed along as mutely as if nothing had happened. "'I'd like to try that whip on him to see if I could wake him up,' said Ted, as he leaped out after Nat to see what could be done to get the car back on the road. But it was an impossible task. Pushing, pulling, prying with fence rails, all efforts left the big red car stuck just where it had floundered. "'I know,' spoke Peter suddenly. "'I'll get Sanders's horse.' "'Sanders wouldn't lend his horse to pull a man out of a ditch,' said Nat. "'I've asked him before.' "'That's where you made a mistake,' replied Peter. "'I won't ask him,' and he awkwardly managed to get out of the car, and was soon out on the road and making his way across the snow-covered fields. "'We may be tried for horse-stealing next,' remarked Ted grimly. "'Girls, are you perishing?' "'Not a bit of it,' declared Dorothy. "'This snow is warm rather than cold.' "'My face is burning,' insisted Mabel, "'but I do hope old Sanders has not set his dogs on us.' "'He's as deaf as a post,' Ted said. "'That's a blessing this time, at least.' "'There goes Peter in the barn,' Dorothy remarked. "'He has got that far safely, at any rate.' A strained silence followed this announcement. Yes, Peter had gone into the barn. It seemed night would come before he could possibly secure the old horse and get to the roadway to give the necessary pull to the stalled firebird. They waited, eagerly watching the barn door. Finally it opened. Yes, Peter was coming, leading the horse. Now, said Peter, standing with an emergency rope ready, if only he gets past the house. He stopped. The door of the snow-covered cottage opened, and there stood the unapproachable Sanders. Oh, gasped Mabel, now we are in for it. Then, said Dorothy, let us be ready for it. I'll prepare the defence. And before they realised what she was about to do, she had selected one of the very choicest Christmas trees, and with it on her fur-covered shoulder, actually started up the boxwood-lined walk to where the much-dreaded Sanders was standing, ready to meet out vengeance on the man who had dared to enter his barn and take from it his horse. "'Oh, Mr. Sanders,' called Dorothy, "'have you that dear little granddaughter with you, "'that pretty one we had at the church affair last year?' "'You mean Emily?' he drawled. "'Yep, she's here, but... "'Then you wonder why we have taken your horse, "'and why we were stalled here?' "'The others could hear her from the roadway. "'They could see also that Sanders had stopped to listen. "'Now we want Emily to have a Christmas tree all her own,' "'went on Dorothy, "'and Peter is good enough to donate it, but our machine—' "'Those cars are not like horses,' she almost shouted, "'as Sanders, being deaf and watching the inexorable Peter leading his horse away, "'had caused to be aroused from his natural surprise. "'After all,' persisted Dorothy, "'a horse is the best.' "'By this time Peter was outside the big gate. "'Sanders made a move as if to follow, "'when Dorothy almost dropped the clumsy tree. "'Oh, please take it,' she begged. "'I want to see Emily while they are towing the machine out.' "'It's a lucky thing it happened just here. 
and that you were kind enough to let us have your horse. "'Well, what do you think of that?' exclaimed Ted, in a voice loud enough for those near him to hear. "'Of all the clever tricks!' "'Oh, depend on Doro for cleverness,' replied Nat proudly. "'You just do your part, Ted, and make this rope fast.' Mabel stood looking on in speechless surprise. She saw now that Dorothy and old Sanders were entering the cottage. Dorothy was first, and the man, with the Christmas tree, followed close behind her. The boys with Peter were busy with rope, horse and auto. Soon they had the necessary connection made, with Nat at the wheel, and all were tugging with might and main to get the firebird free from the ditch. If there is anything more nerve-wracking than such an attempt, it must be some other attempt at a bulking auto. Would it move, or would it sink deeper into the mud that lay hidden beneath the newly fallen snow? Nat turned the wheel first this way and then that. Ted had his weight pressed against the rear wheel of the machine, while Peter coaxed and led the horse. Suddenly the old horse, as if desperate, gave a jerk and pulled the firebird clear out of the roadway. Hooray! yelled Ted, bounding through the snow. Great stunt! corroborated Nat. Peter, you are all right. Peter did some, replied the old man, freeing the horse from the rope that held him to the machine. But that young lady, if she hadn't kept Sanders busy, we might all have been arrested for horse-stealing. She knew his weak spot, agreed Nat. That little Emily seems to be the one weak and soft spot in old Sanders's life. I had better go up and see what's going on, suggested Mabel, as everything seemed about in readiness to start off again. Good idea, assented her brother. He might be eating her up. Mabel rather timidly found her way up to the cottage. It was already dusk, but the light of a dim lamp showed her the way, as it gleamed through a gloomy window onto the glistening snow. "'Won't it be perfectly lovely, Emily?' she heard Doro saying, as she saw her with her arms about a little red-haired girl, both sitting on the sofa while Sanders attempted to prop the Christmas tree up in a corner, bracing it with a wooden chair. Mabel raised the latch without going through the formality of knocking. As she entered the room, all but Dorothy started in surprise. "'This is my friend,' Dorothy hurried to explain. "'It is she who is going to help me trim the tree up for Emily. "'We will come to-morrow,' and she rose to leave. "'Mabel will fetch the doll, Emily. "'That is, of course, if we can persuade Santa Claus to give us just the one we want,' she tried to correct. "'A baby dolly with long hair and a white dress,' Emily ordered. "'And I want eyelashes.' "'Particular,' said Sanders, with a proud look at the child, who, as the boys had said, made up the one tender spot in his life. "'If her ma's cold is better, she's coming up herself.' "'Is she sick?' Emily ventured, glad to be able to say something intelligent. "Yup," replied the old man sadly. "'She's been sick a long time. I fetched Emily over this afternoon in the sleigh.' "'Well, we are so much obliged,' remarked Dorothy. "'And good-bye, Emily. You'll have everything ready for Santa Claus, won't you?' "'I've got my parlour set from last year,' said the child, "'and Mamma says Santa Claus always likes to see the other things, "'to know we took care of them.' "'Thanks, Sanders,' called Peter at the window. "'The horse is as good as ever. "'Don't sell him without giving me a chance. "'I could do something if I owned a mare like that.' "'All right,' called back Sanders, whose pride was being played upon. "'He might be worse. "'Did you put her in the first stall? "'Just where I got her. "'And I tell you, Sanders, even a horse can play at Christmas.' "'Only for him I never could get those trees to town.' "'And only for Peter,' put in Dorothy, "'we could not have gotten Emily her tree, "'and that's how a horse can turn Santa Claus. "'Good-bye, Mr. Sanders. "'You may expect us before Christmas.' 
and then the two girls followed the chuckling Peter back to the Firebird, where the boys impatiently awaited them to complete the delayed party bound for home and for the Christmas holidays. End of chapter 3